Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with the Manor Park Podcast. This podcast covers rape and pedophilia cases, as well as highlight organizations that make it their mission in this world to fight for children. I appreciate you clicking on to my podcast and listening to these episodes. I also have survivor interviews that I share as well, which can be very graphic and heavy. But it's much needed to be heard in this day and age. Because, like a lot of people, I myself was not aware of how troubling and how deep this issue really was. Until I started hearing survivors and listening to the heinous and horrific things they went through. So thank you for clicking on this podcast and listening to these stories. While I know they're deep and disturbing, we need to know what goes on with the victims and survivors and what they went through. So that we can try to identify the problem. And then we can figure out how to solve the problem. My podcast is not for the light of heart. It's not for the faint hearted at all. It's not for anybody with a weak stomach. These stories will change you mentally. They will make you question your faith. They will make you wonder. Why is it that the systems that are in place. Do not protect children. And do not give justice to survivors. And that's what I want it to do. I want it to make you think. I want it to make you go and be curious enough to do the research as well. And to go out there and seek the answers and find the truth to all of this. Because somebody has to. I myself is just a man who was tired of seeing these babies being harmed. And from there, it grew. And I found out so many different traumas that I never knew existed. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Thank you for clicking on this episode. Thank you for supporting me. It does mean a lot, and it's much appreciated. And I'm glad to know that since I've started this journey, there are so many individuals out there that care about protecting children and helping survivors like I do. With that, here's the latest episode. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion unless they have been through court and they have been convicted please understand that moving forward thank you trigger warning the podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men women and children if such acts offend you in any way please do not listen any further this podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offend you please do not listen thank you hey everybody this is jeremy with the manaport podcast this is going to be episode 53 titled interview with an attorney jasper brock 
So I've heard of Jasper Brock from the Real Life Real Crime podcast with Woody Overton. I know I talk about him a lot lately and everything like that as well. I know I've talked about him over a course of time on this podcast, but I got to hear Jasper for the first time on the Fire Chief Part 2 episode where he defended in court uh, Mr. Dale Church. And I wanted to talk to Jasper about that case and about uh, his other another case that he was famous for defending, which was um, Christina Constance, the wife of David Double Clutch Constance. I will say that, you know, there's some things I might not agree with and agree on and everything like that when it came to Christina Constance. However, you know, this was his client. And, you you know, when you're a defense attorney, you have to give, you have to defend people to the best of your ability as a, as a lawyer, as an attorney. Otherwise, you can get disbarred for that. I think he did too good of a job with Christina Constance. Now, the fact that she's out in the free world, however... That's you know that's the, that's that was her right to have counsel. I will say though that we could, we could both agree that Mr. Dale Church was a complete piece of shit for what he did to that little girl, and how he just it was just sinister what that man did to that little girl. And if you don't know what happened, I'd recommend you go check out uh, Fire Chief Part One and Part Two on Real Life Real Crime before you listen to this interview. And I'd also recommend that you go listen to Woody Overton's first episode ever, which was David Constance and Christina Constance, episode one of Real Life, Real Crime. That way you can get, have a better understanding of, of the case, of the charges and everything like that. Because we do talk about those two individuals. And I will say, though, that I have an understanding of Christina Constance as far as she was in a mix, like her life and the circumstances and the events that led to everything was just a recipe for disaster. She was a woman who was, from what I gathered from Jasper and from Woody, was below normal IQ. And so on top of that, was groomed and manipulated at a very early age, was molested and raped at a very early age by David Constance. And then she ended up being married to this man. And trauma bonded with him. She loved David Constance. And then being in a very abusive relationship, I'm assuming, because this dickhead was a monster, wanted to please this monster, did some very heinous and sick shit with children, including her own son. So if you want to get more background and details on the, on the Christina Constance, go there and go listen to it before you listen any further. Dale Church, uh, me and Jasper can definitely agree that that dude was a fucking asshole and a piece of shit and a monster, and I hope he burns in fucking hell. None, you know, enough said on that one. If you want to know why I feel that way, well, you can go and listen to Fire Chief Part 1 and Fire Chief Part 2 on Real Life Real Crime Woody Overton, and you'll see why I feel the way I feel. Anyway, so we, we, we talk about those two cases. We also talk about other things as well as being a defense attorney. And it was just overall a good, you know, like a, how I normally do in any interview, a fireside chat with somebody. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy with the Man Apart Podcast. And this is going to be my interview with defense attorney Jasper Brock, or a.k.a. Jace Brock. And 
we're going to sit and talk about a few cases that he's done, some high-profile high cases here in the parish that I live in, as well as what it's like to be a defense attorney and how that goes about. So, Jasper. Yes. How long have you been a defense attorney? Uh, well, I've been an attorney since September of 91, so what's that, about 32 years? Yeah. Uh, I started off with the uh, attorney general's office. I was actually a prosecutor. Okay. And then I've been a criminal defense attorney exclusively probably 20 years, but I did a lot of everything for about 10. I did, you know, car wrecks and divorces and all. I did a general practice, but about 20 years ago, I just started doing only criminal. What made you switch from being a prosecutor to a defense attorney? Money. Money? Yeah. That's a good motivator, I guess. <laughs> not, not a lot of money being a prosecutor, huh? Well, it, I was... I wasn't with the DA's office. I was with the attorney general's office, which is a lot different. You only get cases that the, the uh, DA recuses themselves. Okay. And uh, so it's a, it's a kind of a hodgepodge of cases. They didn't pay well at the time. So uh, I actually had a case against uh, Wayne Stewart, who's one of the well-known, famous criminal defense attorneys from this parish. Yeah. And famously got in trouble. <laughs> and and uh, I had a case against him, and he just said, how much money are you making over there? And I said, not much. He said, why don't you come work with me? And so I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, has, there any, has there ever been any kind of uh, situations where it was like, holy shit, like what did I get myself into with oh, this all case? The time. All the time. I know obviously working at the Attorney General's office when they recuse themselves of cases, it's always usually something very complicated and very politically complicated. Well, it's, it's right? usually just political. It's yeah. not it's not usually complicated. It's a lot of stuff like uh, you know, the DA's cousin is charged or like this Mac case where Sherman Mac's uncle, yeah. you know, and he's a local politician, so they you know, the local DA's office gets out of it. You know, if it's if it's somebody connected to the DA's office, connected to the local politicians or some or local sheriff's department, yeah, they stay out of it. I got you. Like Denny Perkins. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that I already covered him on a previous episode. That that monster. Uh, yeah, before David, Con you know, out, before he became came on the scene, David Constance was that you mm -hmm. know gold standard of monsters in this parish and you know i originally grew up in tangipahoa parish so i didn't know about all these stories and these cases when i moved out here and well, I learned, the most famous one came out of tangipahoa talking about the, uh, time. oh you are you talking about the uh the hosanna yeah yeah that that's the one that shook me when i, I was around 17 when that happened yeah i was and i was involved in that one long in, long ago Oh, well, I definitely need you back on the podcast for that one. Cause I don't, I mean, I don't even remember the guy's name that we represented, Lu but, but he was one of them. Yeah. Louis LaMonica Jr. was the main guy. And no, you, that had, was... um, you had, you had, you had, a um, Benoit, I think was, uh, I think his name was Benoit. It was, mm -hmm. a, was the deputy that was involved. Mm -hmm. There was also, uh, Trey, uh, Bernard. There was, there's like nine of them all involved in that church. And it was, yeah. dude, it was fucking heinous. Like, I, like I remember because the the former youth pastor that left and broke it off and made that church dwindle down its numbers he started a church out there in hammond uh that i, I grew up into mm. so yeah that's how i, I, know I don't about remember it. our client's name but i think he had a heart attack and died before the case ever ended so okay we never never went to, yeah <laughs> it i I've, I've researched on it studied on it and everything it's a very brutal they case. say it's the 
the basis for the very first uh, True Detective on yes, HBO. It is, and uh, I watched that whole season as well. A lot of well, it was, which is <laughs> none of that stuff happened. Yeah, it was it, it happened it, it on was the very, show. Yeah, it was very. It, well, they made that for like Hollywood and everything yeah. like that. But I mean, the 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 basis of it and everything. Yeah. And because when I when I researched the case and then I went and watched that first season, I'm like trying to figure out the connections and everything. There's just it's very vague. Yeah, very vague, but. Yeah, that was um that was one of the first like besides the whole Catholic Church scandals and everything going on mm-hmm. pedophilia, that was one that just it hit home because it was right there in my backyard and it was like holy shit. And then years later, I've actually come across two of the victims who you know they are just in a bad off spot in life. I mean the way trauma deals with pe- you know people mm-hmm. and everything, especially childhood trauma like that. Um, that's why I very much hate you know these monsters that do these to children. But back to David Constance and everything, I know that you defended Christina Constance, his I, wife, in that in that case. I did, yeah. What were your first thoughts when you when you met Christina? Like 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 how was that first initial conversation? Very different. I mean, most time when you meet with somebody with that kind of case, and I don't do a lot of those. The only time I do them is if I get appointed privately. I've probably only handled four or five generally if somebody calls me about one of those i i turn it down unless they have a really compelling story i generally get them to take a lie detector test yeah and unless i really believe them i don't take the case the worst cases in the world to handle for multiple reasons yeah if they're guilty then you don't want to be associated with it and if they're innocent it's almost impossible to prove it because there's never not never but most of the time there's absolutely no evidence yeah I mean, you know, it's somebody said, well, this happened to me 20 years ago. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard to prove that because there's no DNA. There's no, there's, there's, there's no nothing. nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. And to, so to do when you that. take one as an attorney, if you believe your guy's innocent, then it's, it's tough because they're so hard to win because the jury naturally believes the victim and you know, your guy's going to go away for a long, long time. And then if he's, you know, it, and it and if he is, and it's so hard to prove it because it's just a he said, she said. You know, is it harder? So it's actually harder to prove their innocence than their guilt in those cases. Or is it I mean, I think fact? it's probably. I mean, if if you were gonna try to prove the guilt, and and you had a jury that actually was gonna make you prove guilt, I would think that would be harder. But I think most juries and most people, not just jury, go in and say, why would they say it if it didn't happen? But then you you, know, you had that huge case wherever it was up Pennsylvania or something where they convicted all these people and turned out it, it was all bullshit. Yeah. Never happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like so like on false allegation cases. I looked up the stats on it and it, and it, they they range and they vary, but it's anywhere between like between one to ten percent. And when you have an average of like three hundred thousand cases a year, mm-hmm. that's anywhere from like three thousand to thirty thousand cases mm-hmm. and. You know that that does put the doubt in people's minds as well. But um, I mean, if you're one of those three thousand and you're facing life in prison, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, I mean, off of with with you know with no physical evidence, it's scary situation. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've seen cases where people have, and this is the weird part about that. You got guys that will face life in prison if they're innocent, but you have also the ones that have been get you know been guilty, and they'll get a year, two mm-hmm. years, less than five, and they're back out, you know, early release and everything like that, like. So a lot of people don't understand how the how the deals work 
in those cases? How did, you know, like when, when you go and, and you're trying to, let's say your client is guilty and everything like that, there's no way to win this case. How do they determine these deals? I mean, is it all, I mean, I know it's case by case, but like, there, is there any kind of structure or blueprint to that at all? No, it's, it's just whatever the DA's office is willing to do. A lot of times the victim doesn't want to testify. Right. I would say probably at least 50% of the time they don't want to testify, which puts the DA in a tough spot. So, you know, let's say it carries 60 years. They may go, oh, well, look, if he'll plead, we'll go 40, you know? Yeah. You know, that's a huge break for your client, and my, that person doesn't have to testify. But some of those, if it's one count of decent behavior, it's a max of seven. So, you know, if you're going to cut a deal because they don't want to testify or whatever, then it's going to be two or three. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, I've had interviewees on here who who's like, I mean, some of the worst cases I've ever heard of in my life, um, like incest is one of them as well, where um, her father was a, like a, a CI, a snitch for the DEA, and he would go and snitch on all the motorcycle gangs. And what happened was that every time he had, and he had 52 victims in his lifetime, he only went to prison for two of them. But every time he'd get hemmed up on a charge or something like that, DA would come in, they'd, they'd make him drop the case, mm-hmm. he'd go move to another county, another state, and yeah. continue, continue, continue. Catholic That's, Church has done that for 100 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, a lot. <laughs> and even, it goes beyond the Catholic Church, man. I, shoot, bro. Like, there's... Me and you can, me and you can drink that, that, uh, that, that, that moonshine I just brought you, and we can go hours talking about some of the cases I found out, too. I mean, it's, it's just mind-boggling, and it, it's just like... Uh, but anyway, you go and you meet with Christina Constance, mm-hmm. and like this. I mean, obviously, with all the evidence that she had stacked against her, she, I mean, she went and testified. I mean, well, she went and basically told on her own self to, right. to Wood to Woody and all these other people. Yeah, they would have never caught any of them if she hadn't come <coughs> and spilled her spilled her guts. Was she ever like remorseful, or was it like in her head like this was just? Normal I think behavior? she was. I don't think she was happy about what she did. I mean, I don't think she's proud of what she did. When I first met with her, it's the same thing. I mean, that's, she was unique in that, you know, like Dale Church never, he never admitted yeah. to doing anything. You know, he, he acted like, you know, there was a mountain of evidence against him. And he was like, we just talked about sometimes because there's no evidence. That was a case where there was plenty of evidence. Right. Uh, I mean, they didn't need her testimony. Yeah. Um, in her case, there was no physical evidence, but she... The minute I sat down with her, she said, this is everything that happened, you know. <laughs> what? So as a, I guess as a father, what's going through your mind when you, you Well, know, I mean, it wasn't even as a father. It was just, just you know, I never had a client. You just know, ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had them admit it. I mean, I have lots of people say I did it. I've never had ones just say, just, just you t- know, just tell all. Gory detail of everything that ever happened. Wow. I mean, I think she wanted to come clean you know yeah and i think that's why she went and told woody all that stuff and then she you know she didn't stop when when i got there yeah and i think if she'd have gone to trial she'd have said the same thing you know do you think that i mean i i my my theory in my opinion is is because all the grooming that and manipulation that was done by david constance to yeah she was a victim yeah and I mean, I, mean, I, think, I mean, I mean, yeah i mean part of me does feel like some some tinge of sympathy to a degree but at the same time she raped her own son too, you know, and it's like, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, believe me, <laughs> like, I, as, I, you know, it's just like, ugh. But and she's, I mean, I, people can get mad at me. I have some sympathy for her because I think, 
she was, you know, didn't want to do what she did. I think she did it either because she was afraid or wanted to please David, yeah. who she, you know, was, I mean, he had total control over her. But, uh, and, and she was by all definition a battered spouse and a, you know, yeah. an abused spouse. So I have some sympathy for her. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think she should have walked free and she didn't. No. But I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not of the thing that she needed to spend her life in prison. I don't think she'll ever do it again. You know, I, I don't think this was something, oh, I got away with it type deal. Yeah. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been so forthcoming and she wouldn't have gone and turned herself into the police. Yeah. I think a lot of us, a lot of people believe when it comes to pedophiles and everything like that, child molesters, that, uh, you know, and, and there is a, there is a, there is studies that have shown that once they offend, they do reoffend later on in life. But, you know, could there be, you know, outliers and misnomers and everything like that as well? Do you think maybe possibly she could be one of those? I, I don't think so. I think she's, she, I think she's barely over functioning, uh, intelligence. I mean, she, I'm sure she doesn't fit the, you know, the, well, I don't know what the number is, 78 or 79 that says you're, you know, mentally impaired, but I bet yeah, she's not IQ, much. The, the yeah, IQ the number, IQ. yeah, I got you. Yeah, I, I, I would bet she's not much over it. I got you. So, I mean, I, you know, she was more like dealing with a 13-year-old than she was with an adult when you were talking to her. Yeah. I actually heard the, because um, she recently just got paroled and everything. I, I heard that parole hearing and everything like that too and I, I don't know like I kind of I'm, I'm on the same stance with Woody on it you know and mm-hmm. everything like that like no she should have been set free but he did acknowledge you though he said you know that you know you, like he loves you and everything like that but he also said like you know uh, man he, I think he did his job too damn well and everything but that's that's what you're supposed to do as a defense attorney you're supposed to, to represent people to the best of your ability and on top of this too what people don't understand like in your situation you're under a contract with the parish and everything like that to take mm. these cases. Right. It's not like you can say, well, no, I'm not going to fucking do it. Or No, I can't turn it, it down yeah. if I'm and, appointed. And if you torpedo it and everything like that or yeah, sink then. it, you know, you lose your, you lose your damn license. Right. So you got to do it to the best of your ability. Mm. And, 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 I mean, there's so many different factors that come into play, too, as well as, like, when it comes to appeals and everything like that. But because, I don't, you know, I don't make the deal. I mean, I make the deal, but they got to offer it to me. Yeah. You know, I, so, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't have not, the ability to twist their arm and offer them right what they offer I mean, especially at, at on that case in particular yeah. with all that you know damnable evidence and everything there was mm-hmm. no like you were no like there was no ability to ever make any kind of or even renegotiate any kind of deal whatsoever no it's just it's too i mean like pretty much the da was just like either take this or uh she, she'll never uh she'll never live she'll never breathe free air right well i, I mean we we went back and i don't know probably a year, year two that, that went on, but we got an expert in battered women's syndrome and, you know, they said she was a battered woman and, you yeah. know, all that stuff. And we went back and forth. And I think the, um, I think the DA offered 25 and then they, she was thinking about it. And then it got a week before trial maybe. And they said, look, we'll do 20. Yeah. And I told her, you don't take it. You're an idiot. Yeah. Obviously, uh, yeah. I mean, with all that, with all that she said and talked about and confessed to, yeah. I mean, it, it's just with her being one polar opposite, and then you doing a doing doing a case that you just mentioned about, uh, you know, Dell Church, the mm-hmm. ex fire chief of Holden. 
I uh, actually went and re-listened to the episode that you you and that uh, Woody did the two episodes that Woody did with uh, one where he talked about all the charges in the case, and then you were on there as well. And that was mm-hmm. the first time I ever heard you on his podcast. And uh, I loved your perspectives. I loved you know that, that you added that information into there and everything as well. Um, they offered like, him a huge and a sweetheart deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah. Like uh, for my listeners that don't understand, it was. Uh, and he, that wasn't the, that was the judge. Yeah. I think they, the judge didn't want to try it, and he said, "All right, you plead. I'll give you seven, you know, seven or eight years. You know, which, on each count con- concurrent, which, which means you serve them all together." Yeah. And, and they ended up with, uh, you know. The max on each count consecutive, which came out to like seventy-seven one, years or yeah, something. Yeah, one after the other. And oh uh, shit! And it, you know, I was like, dude, you're nuts. Yeah, you're not gonna take this. There's a mountain of evidence, man. You know. Yeah, that guy. Uh, fuck him. Uh, he. Uh, I know. I was. I was. I was listening to all his charges and everything and the shit that he was doing. I mean, it's just some heinous stuff. And I'll touch base on it a little bit as far as what he did. I mean. Y'all, he sat there and he he groomed a, uh, she was 13 at the time, Mm -hmm. a 13-year-old, wanted to have sex with her in exchange for cigarettes, uh, Marlboro, I think smooth cigarettes is what it was, Marlboro menthol smooths or whatever, Uh, lured her out, you know, and and what, like a dozen times or so, or it was like, it was a bunch of times, Uh, pimped her out to his son. Uh, pierced yeah, for her a, for yeah. an 18th birthday or yeah. 21st birthday or something. Yeah, and I'm and I and I agree with Woody on that. Yeah, that's the the gift that keeps on fucking giving, right? Yeah. Making your making your son a sex offender for the rest of your life. Yeah, good fucking dad, dad of the year right there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what else? He also uh, he also pierced her nipples too and everything, mm-hmm. and, and like, and just it's all this sick shit that he was doing, and and it progressed and progressed and progressed, and even when he got caught, I think he even. During his trial, like when all with all the back and forth, did he go back and meet her again and everything? And yeah, what to- happened was when he got a, when they originally set him up, like they they I don't know how I don't remember how they were doing it. I guess the parents were helping, and they had her. Uh, he was contacting her, and they had found out, so they were the one. Oh yeah, the Facebook. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, they were got- con- they were uh, communicating with him, and it wasn't her. Yeah. And they said, meet me, at, you know, she said, meet me at the park. Well, it was them, you know, just like get your brother there. Yeah. So he shows up at the park and they arrest him. And um, so he hires Lewis Unglesby, who's, okay. you know, very well-known attorney in Baton Rouge. Pays Lewis, I think, $10,000. And uh, he gets a bond, gets out. Lewis had the case maybe two weeks, three weeks, I don't know. But, well, as soon as he gets out, he contacts her and he's back, and they're back having sex and he's back abusing her and everything else and then he gets caught again and then when he gets caught the second time you know Lewis comes in and just judge on him I didn't sign up for that you know he's yeah. going to have to pay me another $50,000 now and he don't have it so I'm, I want out and the judge let him out and then it got put on your your. he got put on my plate because yeah. when he said or when they found out that the son had had sex with her as a birthday present then they charged him, so the public defender got him because he had Lewis Unglesby. Yeah. Uh, so they were like, well, the dad's already got an attorney. Public defender's going to take the son. And then when they let Lewis off, then there wasn't anything. And I got stuck with it. <laughs> so Lewis got a bunch of money and walked away. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, two, two, two weeks. Bailing, I don't, I don't, well, like, like a, bail, a bail hearing, that was pretty much it, right? I mean, like, uh, it was pretty, pretty much, yeah. Jesus, man. 
you know, that's some easy, that's some easy quick money, I guess. He had a yep. lick on that one, and then you got you got stuck with having to do all the legwork and hard work right. and everything. And I remember uh, you talking about in the interview with Woody too. It was like he was going over some of the most asinine, stupid details in that case, like because um, after after the case got out and everything like that. Uh, a lot of his cousins and family members and stuff like that that he also molested and raped yeah. over the years. They sisters, came out, sisters, cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, they all came out and testified against his ass. It was like what? Like I think eight, nine of them, ten of them? No, I don't remember yeah. how many. It was It was at least seven. At least yeah. seven? Yeah. And it was all afternoon. They all came one by one, by one and told their story. Jeez. We spent probably from 2 o'clock to like 5.30 in the courtroom listening to every one of them come and tell their story. What was going through your mind whenever you was listening? It's to just you, you just there's, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, it's like you know it's not you know and he like I said he's sitting there going oh that never happened I would you know they said it was in my grandmother's bedroom and it's on the other side of the house. I'm yeah, saying, like what know. like like yeah. that means a fuck right? Yeah. Right. Like, uh, but I'm like you know that that ain't gonna change anybody's mind, dude. When seven of them are saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, how do you? Um, in, in these situations, in those cases, especially with hearing stuff like that, how, how do you, like, keep your composure, I guess, professionalism and all this? Because, I mean, like, I mean, because ma- 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 obviously you're a lot better at it than, than I would be. That's why, I'm not a, that's why I'm not a cop or a defense attorney at all, because I, I, I think I would pretty much, I mean, maybe when you were younger, you might have felt this way as well. And then you, as time gets on, you learn to kind of co- mm-hmm. co- compartmentalize all this. Uh, do you ever, like, once just want to look at him, just smack the shit out of the guy? Oh, all the like, time. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, you can ask my wife. I come home and a stupid motherfucker. Yeah. You know? Because, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, you know, because that's the bad oh, part I, about you, it. You know, all of us believe and cuss our clients all the time. Some yeah. of them cuss them out, you know, to their face. Some of them, you know. Yeah. But when when defense attorneys sit around talking, we're all bitching yeah. about our clients. I got you. Just <laughs> like how cops might get around yeah. and, and talk about yeah. arrests and cases and stuff right. like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always, believe me, there's lots of them. You go, you know, I got this dumbass. I've got this. You wouldn't believe how sick this bastard was. You know? Yeah. Was there ever a case where? I mean, there's plenty of them. I know you defended already, uh, but was there ever one that was just like, I, you know, I got to get the hell out of this. Besides, besides Mark Lewis, Screwdriver Red that they tried to put on to you and everything to go talk to them. Was there one that you got put on to and it was like, look, I, I got to get out of this one. Well, you can't. So there's not, it's there's not never, even worth never. There's nothing never like that. I get, there's not, you know, you, you can't get, well, take that back. There's, <laughs> there's one right now it's pending. So I can't give any names. Right. It's bad. It's, it's real bad. Um, and I think they, I don't know how they, it ended up with me. I don't think it should have. I don't think they had a conflict. I think they just didn't want to do it because it's a, it's a really bad case. It's, it's pending right now. And then uh, this guy's mama would call me just constantly. You're not doing your job. You're not doing, you know, you're not whatever. And I got mad at her and I said, look, this is what they pay me. This is how many cases I have, you know. So basically, I'm getting seven hundred dollars for your son's case, and he's getting his seven hundred dollars worth. Shut the fuck up and leave me alone. Yeah, you know, <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, so that pissed her off, and and so they they said, "We're going to fire you." I said, "Please, please fire me." 
And so I was, I was sitting right there on that couch and they get a phone call and uh, somebody in Florida or somewhere, I don't know, I don't remember where, could have been Alabama. And they said, look, uh, our nephew has this case. They didn't know who they were talking to. Yeah. And uh, he's got this appointed attorney. He's not doing crap and, and it's whatever. And he's innocent and he's not innocent. Uh, <laughs> and, it, it, and it's bad and they've got plenty of evidence. Uh, and whatever, and, and they said, you know, can you take this case? And and, and I said, no, I, I can't take the case. And uh, they said, what do you think we should do? Should we stick with this attorney? I was like, absolutely not. You got to do whatever you can. You <laughs> basically, gotta... <laughs> basically referring to you, though, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 Talking they, about they, me. they didn't know it was you, but no, yeah, yeah, they didn't know they were talking about me to me. <laughs> so they were like, should we you stick with this guy? And I was like, no, you need to, you need to fire this guy. You need to. You, I mean, you need to call the public defender's office every day and tell them you don't want him on this case. You know? Wow. I was doing everything I could to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, sure enough, about two weeks later, I go to meet with the DA on the case, and he goes, oh, you didn't hear? I said, no, they hired somebody else. Said, oh, thank God. <laughs> Being Now that you've you know, now that you're been exclusively a defense attorney for like 20 years, mm-hmm. what... Is it like when you when you interact with the DA's office and everything like that? Is it is it like the classic like what people think like a love like like a hate relationship or is it like absolutely a love hate not or like like do y'all get along or like absolutely not have the utmost respect for every single one of those ADAs in the in Livingston. I got you. Now there's been some in the past that I didn't get along with and I didn't think were straight up, uh, you know, or hide evidence or whatever, but. I think everybody there right now is 100% professional, yeah. good at their jobs, fair, try to do the right thing, harsh when they got to be, lenient when they can be. Yeah. You know? Has there has there ever been any like um any cases in where you know because you know the you know the, the work I'm in and what I do. Have you ever ever defended anybody that actually uh had to kill a pedophile or anything like that? No, and that like they tried to shaft him or anything. I mean, you know, like no down here, no, you know, yeah, the, yeah, I know yeah. the old case in Baton Rouge. Yeah, like uh, like which, uh, which Gary Plus uncles be were he he represented him. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, no, I've I've never uh, seen it, but I've never and you know that happened in the courthouse. Some guy. And I don't know if it was a pedophilia case or not. Oh wait, I, I was talking about Gary Cloche. You talking? I know, about I know but, but uh, no, I said I've never had that kind of case. case. Yeah. But I, there was a case, and I don't even, I don't know if it was a pedophilia case where we were all sitting in court, uh, and they used to in the old courthouse they'd bring the prisoners and they sit on the front two rows, yeah, and, you know, and they'd be chained in there, and uh, break for lunch. Well, they bring them in. Prisoners came after lunch. So they bring them in at like a quarter to twelve or whatever for court to start at one o'clock, or they bring them at quarter to one. The court started at one, whatever, and the general public. Generally wasn't back in there yet, but some of the lawyers and staff were in there. And, you know, the, the general public was filing in, and some guy, he came around and freaking started stabbing one of those guys in the eye with a pen. Holy that, shit. I, I mean, I, and he was victim's family, but I don't know if it was a pedophilia case. But yeah. I didn't represent him, so oh, I don't shit. know what happened to him. But, yeah. I mean, I'm, I watched him stab the guy on the front row. <laughs> well, besides that, that, that insane <laughs> shit, has there been any other, like, 
Has there been like any kind of crazy shit you've seen in the court? Court. I mean, thirty years being a defense attorney, being an attorney yeah. in general. I mean, you've you've oh, yeah, seen, seen some lots crazy of crazy shit. shit. Yeah, uh, they had a crazy case, and, and it's not. It has nothing to do with sex offense. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. They, this was what, this year, last year. I had to. I had a co-defendant. There was a guy up in, I guess, north of Holden. He was a dope dealer, and he was making money. He was selling weed, and he was selling naked pictures of his girlfriend, who I represented. Yeah. And he went on Instagram or whatever, offered up like a pound of weed for sale or three pounds of weed. These people answering some some uh, some black kids from I think Ascension Parish. Yeah. Answering, come over to buy the weed. They fight about the price and uh, they start shooting at each other. He ends up killing one of them. Yeah. And uh, the girl I represented got shot in the arm. Uh, and and then after she got shot, she took the weed and threw it in the bushes to hide it from the cops. So she was charged with obstruction of justice. So that's why I yeah. represented her on that. But the boyfriend who ended up killing one of the black kids, he... He got charged with murder. And uh, so they he turns down all the pleas and he's gonna go to trial because he thinks he's gonna win a trial because they're you know, they were buying dope and they were black and they were from another parish and he was a local kid, so he thought he he would beat the thing. Well, lo and behold, they, they go to start the trial and the cops he's still selling drugs. And the cops know he's selling drugs, they got informants or whatever so when he leaves to go uh pick a jury for his murder trial they get a warrant they go search his house and they find all kind of fentanyl and all kind of stuff yeah so then they come in while he's picking a jury and say all right (laughs) you know you're under arrest for dealing fentanyl and the judge is like all right all right right now you know you plead to 40 years, I think it is, because they had to charge for manslaughter, I think, and not yeah. murder. The max is 40. So they said, you plead to the 40, I'll get, you know, I'll throw in the fentanyl concurrent. So you just do 40 years. Yeah. You know, otherwise, even if you win this trial, we're going to give you 40 on the fentanyl. You know? Right, yeah. So he says, you need to plead right now. He says, okay, so he pleads guilty. And uh, so well, that's, that's crazy, right? I've never seen that happen. Right. Yeah, like no matter what, even if you win, you're still fucked. Yeah. Right. So then he comes back like the next week because they don't sentence him right then because right. they don't they haven't they haven't even arrested him yet on the fentanyl, so they got to arrest him and charge yes. him before he can plead to it. What the hell? You know, because yeah. you can't plead to a charge until you're arrested on it, and they had just found it you know an hour before. So they said, all right, we're going to come back next week and you plead to all this. You know, and he says, okay. So then they they come back the week and we're sitting in court and he's like. Well, judge, he's got, you know, manslaughter and he's got whatever possession with intent to distribute fentanyl and he's got entering contraband into the jail. And he's like, wait, what the, what the, hell, what the hell is this? Yeah. And the uh, judge is, how did this charge come about? He said, well, when y'all took him out of the courtroom, they got him to the jail. He had big Band-Aids all over him. And we looked into it. And they were covering fentanyl patches. Holy shit. (laughs) 
Jesus, <laughs> man. How fucking stupid. So the judge is like, okay, that adds another 10. <laughs> so like, so gotta... he went from 40 to 50 fucking years, and he's going to die an old fucking man anyway. Yeah. I mean, but, shit. but I mean, like, who goes to trial with fentanyl patches on? I mean, I could see if you were going on the last day, yeah. and you may have been, you know, and they found you guilty, and you were going to prison for 40 years. You rip that off or whatever. Yeah, do, do or, and, or and OD or yeah, something or yeah. kill yourself. But why would you do it on the day you're picking a jury? You still got four more days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good God, man. That so that's crazy. probably the craziest thing I've seen in a courtroom. Well, Other uh, than people fighting, you know. You know, another thing that I uh, wanted to know about you, and I, I kind of wanted to know, but uh, we never got an answer for it either. Uh, you know, you, you've been knowing Woody Overton for a long time. Y'all, you know, probably he's, 25 years. Yeah. He, said, he said y'all good friends and everything mm-hmm. like that. What is, um, how'd y'all two like meet and everything like that and become friends? Well, I mean, we've had cases. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I get along with just about everybody in the sheriff's department. When you, you know, yeah. uh, when you've done it as long as I have, you, you basically, you can sit back and watch and you know, I mean, I can tell you right now between who makes the cases and who comes to court and testifies, who's going to end up being a detective from the road deputies yeah. and you can see it. You can see them. You can see who the guys who are gung ho and are making charge, you know, making cases and coming in and testifying. And you can tell most of the time who's going to be a detective. So, yeah. you know, so you see them from the start and like, I know Woody when he was a road cop coming into court. And then once they get to be detectives, they already know you cause you've questioned them in court and you talked to them and then it's not a, uh, it's not that adversarial. It is in court. But I'll call detectives all the time, and I'll say, "Look, this guy just called me to hire me. What's the story on this case?" You know, and yeah. sometimes they'll say, "Hey, man, we've got your your boy's nailed. He's fucked." You know, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes like, you know, it ain't that strong of a case, but you know, whatever. Or they'll call me and say, "Look, I don't care if they knock this down to a misdemeanor. I just had to arrest him on this thing." You know, whatever. Yeah. Has there ever been like where you seen Woody in court whenever it was on his road days and everything like that, and you like, oh fuck. Yeah, like, like, like he made like your case, like, like he made you work for that money. Like, is there any situations like that? Um, no, I, not really. Not, I mean, and that's not true of anybody. Not that he, he, he was one, you know, that you could tell was going to be a rising star. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he, he knew what he was supposed to say, what he wasn't supposed to say. And they train those guys. Those guys know exactly, uh, you know, they send them to school. This is how you say it happened. These are the words you use. This is, you know, yeah. and very few of them mess up you know yeah. they they people don't understand that you know in our business if if you have an aversion to losing you can't do it because yeah. we lose 95 percent of the time i got you you know like people watch tv and they go oh they're always suppressing evidence you know i'd say one out of every thousand cases i get something suppressed yeah maybe maybe one out of a thousand you know oh yeah that never happens they never throw out evidence they never they never you know, change venue. They never all that 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 shit's so rare. It's not even funny. I've I've found a few though. I will say I have found a few cases where, like, there's one in particular I know of, and I can't go into too many details on it. Like on the podcast, but I can talk to you afterwards though, where they actually uh, threw out a, like two or three pieces of evidence. But like when I looked at it, like one of them was a was a video file, right? Mm-hmm. And it was from one like you know how the, like those cameras they record motion, so they'll mm-hmm. they record for sixty seconds, stop, and then you know more movement they'll record and it's one of those where it's like it goes 
back and forth, back and forth. And like, I can understand how they would throw that out as tampered evidence, right? Like it's mm -hmm. not, it's not a consistent yeah. stream. It's not a, you know, it's, 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 it's by under legal cases and sense, it's fucked up. Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, um, just other pieces of it as well that I was like, I, when I read into it, like there was a report I read, there was a, a, you know, like an audio file. I'm like, why the fuck did they throw this shit out? And I wish I could talk about it with you on this, but I can't, you know, it's just one of the things, but there was stuff like that. Um, I've seen cases where they've had like, uh, the the like their version of like uh, DCFS reports. Like uh, every state's got a different agency for it and everything, right? Like um, there there was one where uh, a child therapist was like sat down with a four year old boy, and the, this boy was autistic. Said that you know uh, daddy likes to put wee wee in butt, mama puts mouth on my wee wee. You know mm -hmm. like sick shit, and it got to the point to where it it didn't even get put in like they didn't even. They investigated, quote unquote, a court somehow, and then the therapist kept reporting on it, kept reporting, kept reporting, kept reporting. Eventually, they CPS told the therapist stop, just stop fucking reporting. And you know, people, people, go, but people find themselves like in those cases and in those situations, and they lose fucking hope because it's like, well, shit, the abuse still goes on, it's still happening. Well, I mean, I, there's I, a there's a lot of issues when DCFS gets information. Yeah, because it, it, there's a it's a fine line that I I don't. I mean, I think they should have rules where as soon as they have inkling of something, they back off and get a cop. Yeah. But they don't. They try to investigate it themselves, and then it, then they're acting as an agency of the state, but they're not reading anybody their rights, and that's right. where the issues come in. So if, like, and so if like DCFS or CPS investigated somebody and they said, yeah, you know. Because uh, they, they'll go in there and tell, oh, no, you, you have to talk to me, whatever, whatever, where's the cop has to, you know, he has to tell you. You have the right to remain silent. Right. You know, but she's, you know, I got a badge and I'm telling you, well, that's that's where you get into trouble on those things. Yeah. Because they're acting like police and they're not, but they are an agency of the state. So, you know, there's an issue of whether, yeah. if you're, you're gathering evidence to be used against me, but you're not advising me of my rights. Yeah. And that's where things can get very convoluted in court yeah. and everything. I've seen some, like, I, I, I don't but know. But that's why when they do a CAC tape, there's a cop there. Yeah, that's good. I, um, I, you don't ever have a CAC type where the detective's not in the other room listening. listening. Yeah. If you had any advice for anybody that's locked, that's hemmed up on any kind of charges, so, you know, really don't want to give any advice to any pedophiles or anything like that. I hope they all go fucking rot in prison or burn in hell. But for people that might, you know, let's say, because I, I deal with people that also have been through drug addiction. I've dealt mm -hmm. with people that have dealt with assault charges and everything like that as well. And, you know, for, for protecting their family type shit, not like just going out, like beating a shit out of somebody and robbing yeah. them, but for actually protecting their family. Like what would, what would be your advice to somebody like that? If they get hemmed up in a, in a situation. No, I would tell them never talk to them, never give a statement without an attorney. Gotcha. Never. Because even you're, if they're going to arrest you, you're never going to talk them out of it. Yeah. All you're going to do is give them, even if you don't think you're giving them details, you're giving them details that. You know, you may be innocuous, innocuous, you know, you may say, well, he was sitting over there and he had a red shirt and they have some witness that said red shirt and they go, oh, well, we got him now, you know, yeah. <laughs> whereas you're better off just, yeah, just shutting the hell up, shutting and, the hell up and letting the attorney do the talking. 
Yeah. What's that process like for when they go when they get arrested and everything? Like how how long do they have before they get allowed to give them a phone like a phone call and everything? And oh well, them? they don't get a phone call till after they're in the jail. Yeah. Uh, so all that processing and everything like that, mm-hmm. yeah, and that could take what like up to a day or so. Uh, it yeah, at least. Well, it's you know, if they arrest you at one o'clock, you may get a phone call at four or five. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Do you? Um, I mean, that's what I mean. You get to the jail at one o'clock. Yeah. Do you? Uh, do you, Do you handle bonds and everything like that with your clients, or do you have, mm-hmm. or do you like the I mean, do bond, bond hearings? Yeah. yeah. Uh, everything like that. So what was I going to ask too? So like, do you do you have like good relationships with bail bondsmen around here as well? Uh, do you uh, work with them? Pretty much. I mean, it used to be, I'd say, ten years ago that that was your best source of business with bondsmen because they're the first person to get called. Yeah. And so you know, bondsmen, although the bondsman would refer people to you, or the bondsman calls you and says, "Look, this bond's a hundred thousand dollars, whatever. You think you can get it down? You know, yeah. I'm gonna tell them to call you, whatever." Or they meet with the family and they go, oh, you know, we can only afford sixty and it's a hundred or whatever. Then we will call this guy; he may be able to get it down to sixty for you. Yeah. What? So, kind of wanting to kind of wrap up a little bit on everything because you did give me a good bit of information. I want to know, like, do you have any funny stories with Woody at all? Because you know, because a lot of my, my listeners are also listeners of Woody too now as well. They love there, was, there was one case that Woody, and it was uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but this thing went on for just day. This guy was so stupid. He had this girlfriend. He was and he wasn't a young guy. He was probably mid forties, and he worked for a uh, well. First backstory: there was a guy that owns a a. a, a Body shop here in town, very successful body shop. Yeah, and he got charged with rape. And he hired me. It was a bullshit deal. It was a pissed off girlfriend. Okay, and she claimed rape, and we. Yeah, he got arrested. Had to bond out on two hundred thousand dollars and whatever, and, and he ended up getting thrown out because she was it was bullshit. I mean, it was she was his girlfriend. They slept together, you know, five nights a week, and she was just pissed off that he broke up with her. But anyway, he had an employee, and uh, this employee, his girlfriend had him arrested, said he beat her up or whatever. And so he's like, man, I, I didn't beat her. I didn't do anything. This, this bitch is crazy. It's nuts. Nuts. I said, all right, well, what are we going to do? So I called Woody. I don't think it was his case. And, uh, and he said, well... He said, I, I'll, let, me, let me talk to the guy. He said, can I talk to him? I said, yeah, talk to him. So he and Woody start talking. And uh, Woody says, well, I'm, I'm going to give you a lie detector test. Yeah. So he takes a lie detector test, passes it. So Woody tells the DA, so I don't think he did it. He said, I, you know, he passed a lie detector test. This is what's whatever. He says, all right. So then we're sitting there and we're talking, and uh, me and Woody and the guy, and we're like, dude, just don't go back to her. Just yeah. Don't go back to her. Right. Yeah. So like two weeks pass, get a call. He's in jail. What's like, what the fuck, man? He's like, whatever. I, you know, was with her. She she said I beat her up. Whatever. Like they, we told you not to yeah. go back to. Her. I think Woody does another lie detector test. He passes again. It's like no, he didn't do it. We get him out of jail. DA's like, I don't know, just 
two times in a row. So he's out of jail. We're like, leave her the hell alone. Yeah. Like, oh, no. I mean, this is twice. We, we, we got to prosecute him. And then, uh, and then the Hemp and Woody had gotten along. And they were like, <laughs> they were gotten to almost be friends. And then another two or three weeks pass. And then he's in jail again. No. Like, what the hell's going on? Again. And uh, so... This time it's serious. So he he came in, and he he raped me. And like he's like she's fucking nuts. I didn't even I wasn't even there. I didn't even go to the house. Yeah. So this wasn't this wasn't one where, whatever. And so they but they arrested him for the rape because she said he did it. And you know she and she knew who it was. It was him. Blah blah blah. And even the cops. I don't know why they did it. So Woody gets the thing and he's looking at it and he's like, wait a minute. Y'all went in there, and he said, and there was a, there's a dog on the couch. He said, yeah. He said, and this this dog that's been that was barking at y'all. You know, the deputies that went there. He said, yeah. They said, did y'all did y'all ask her about the dog? You know, the dog didn't bark at him. You know, he didn't bark when he came in here. And was, you yeah. know, <laughs> he went crazy when we knocked on the door. Yeah. But you know, because she said he just came in quietly and raped her and left. Right. And then he, of course, I think he passed a lie detector test again, and then. She had so much shit that was oh, and then oh, and her little brother was asleep on the couch. It's like, wait, and he didn't he didn't see anything, he didn't hear anything. Yeah, he came in and raped you. You didn't wake him up. <laughs> no, no screaming or nothing. Yeah. Right, and the dog didn't bark. You didn't wake him up. So anyway, they end up finally throwing it out. And I think him and him and Woody end up being drinking buddies for a while. <laughs> but I think he had to take three lie detector tests. Jesus Christ, dude! Three <laughs> fucking lie detector tests on three different charges. The same because he kept going back to her. I was like, "You dumbass!" Yeah, man. And you know that's such a fucking shame too because they got good women out there that just want to be treated good and everything. And yet, I mean, because I see on both sides too. I see, I see good men that get treated like shit. I see good women get treated like shit all the fucking time. Well, I had one that's like that. That's one crazy cases I had where she charged her husband with rape. He sat in jail for 45 days, and while he was there, she tried to sell everything he owned, try to cash out his pension. Holy shit, dude. I mean, just rape, financially rape him, and sold everything. And drove his truck around, put thousands of miles on his truck, and then left it in the Walmart parking lot all while he was in jail. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. So they finally cleared him of it, and uh, you know he finally dropped all the charges, and we, ended, we sued her. But she don't own nothing, so yeah, you can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, so he's got a judgment for two hundred thousand dollars, but he'll never get any of it. <laughs> yeah, because she has to go to work and actually make the money. And well, yeah, well, she's already, you know, moved yeah. out of state and is probably working for eight dollars an hour. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much screw you. You ain't never yeah. getting that, right? Oh man, what for people that want to go and be attorneys and lawyers and everything like that? Since you've been in this in this career in this, in this profession for about 30 years now what kind of advice would you have for anybody that wants to pursue this um uh, i don't know i mean it's an interesting career uh you know i the reason i do the criminal stuff is because it's it's just way more interesting than anything else and it's you know divorces you, you deal with you deal with assholes no matter what you're dealing with i mean 
there's nothing worse than dealing with divorces and listening to people bitch about their husband and you know he didn't bring she he brought the kids back and they didn't have their coat or I bought them new underwear and she threw it out when, yeah it's stupid crap yeah petty shit petty and that's all divorce is is petty shit and contracts and stuff like that's just boring to me yeah so I do this because it's interesting um I mean if you there's a million kinds of lawyers. So it's just, just if you want to be a lawyer, there's all kinds of things you can do. You know? Yeah. Um, but if you want to do this, it's interesting. Sometimes it's exciting. But like I said, you, you get your brains beat out 95% of the time. Yeah. You're not going to, 90% of the time, they either, you know, they plead guilty. You know, I've probably had, I don't know how many jury trials I've had, but I ain't one but one or two. You know, they they don't come not guilties don't come around real often. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, so you, you gotta get used to losing. You just gotta you understand that you're there to do the you know, help them as much as you can. Now you do get a generally because if they're innocent, you you get them out of it before it ever gets there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know that um you know like people because I, cause I talk to people when I ask them about lawyers and stuff like that and everything. Uh you know a lot of ex con like especially convicts I've talked to and everything, you know, they, they, they throw out, you know, the public public pretender uh, mm -hmm. phrase and all that shit like that. How do you feel about that when somebody like like or I mean or, is there any like do you ever have any examples of anybody that, that really did fit that description or do you feel like uh there's yeah, I've seen some lazy public defenders, but for the most part, most of them are hard working. Yeah. But you gotta understand, they get you know, when you come and hire me I go talk to the DA. I can investigate the case. I can bug the crap out of the DA. I can say, this is, you know, this, I have this, I have this, I have this. This is where you're wrong on this. You know, this is the problem you have here. If you go to trial, you know, look, my guy went to rehab. He's done this. He's done this, you know, and get you the best deal or the best possible outcome. The public defender is probably making, it's a part-time job. I mean, one or two of them are full-time, but they're not making much money at all for a lawyer. I mean, maybe $50,000, you know, yeah. part-time. Uh, and they've probably got 300 cases. Yeah. You know, what's that come out to? $400 a case, $250 a case? And they don't have, they can't go and advocate to the DA and go meet with the DA and go, yeah. go drive out to the scene and, and say, you know, you're right, that's, you know, it couldn't have happened this way. Because you know, there's too many cases. There's no way you can go investigate every case. There's yeah. just not enough time in the day. So they do the best they can. And then you've, you've got to go see them in the jail. And that people don't, even the people in the jail think, well, you never come to see me. And they get pissed off. You don't, you know, you don't come to, you don't understand. To go to the jail to see somebody, first of all, you got to call a day ahead and make an appointment. Yeah. And... You've got a schedule, like I got to be in court from nine to 12, you know, or I may have a doctor's appointment at three, like this happened to me just Thursday. I had a doctor's appointment at three. I was in court from nine to 12. Can I come at one o'clock? No. Only time we have open is, you know, 1130. So I had to leave court early, try to, and then you get there, then you got to wait 45 minutes for to bring them up, you yeah. know, and if you need to see two people, then you got another 30 minute wait while they take that one back and bring the other one up. So a five minute conversation takes an hour and a half, you know, and if you've got 150 cases or 300 cases, you can't go have 150 conversations a week. So they're like, well, he never comes and sees me. Well, he can't. 
Yeah, it's it, it's pretty much logistically impossible. You know, I tell them, I'm going to come see you when I got news. I can't come babysit you because there's not enough time in a day. Yeah. If I got something to tell you, I'll come see you. I, but I can't come see you every week and give you, this is what happened this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, I've asked around about you and everything like that. I heard you got a really good reputation and that you're, you're a damn good defense attorney for sure. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I hear about you. You know, I, I haven't heard anything bad about you yet. And if I do, I'll, I'll say, hey, 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 Jess, hey, James, hey, hey, you know, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that to you. I, I don't know, care. I, mean, I know, I know. I mean, believe me, I just pretty, like it's like that thing I contacted you on the other day. I yeah. mean, I, 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 I believe me. After Christina Constance, I, the, the Facebook messages about how I should be in the prison with her. I got plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I'm always open and. and to, to having a conversation with somebody, you know, that's why I called you. I said, look, you know, look, what do I not know? What, 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 what happened and everything like that? Cause I, I, I'm here to learn as well. I mean, this is a journey that I'm on. Cause once I started like just scratching the surface, I was just like, holy shit, man, especially in the world of, you know, pedophilia, rape, domestic violence, it is a deep, deep fucking hole. Uh, it and, is, and, but people don't understand. We, I mean, we got a job to do. Sometimes we yeah. want to do it. Sometimes we don't want to do it. But, you know, I'll read the Facebook comments. All, all the, you know, Jenny Perkins, half those people th- think his lawyer should have been shot. You know, why? Yeah. Because he did his job? I, I, think, mean, I think that's freaking asinine, just stupid. I, I think I think a deeper reason behind it is because when they see, like, they, you know, they don't know every single case that Jared Amber does and everything, but a lot of these high-profile cases you see, you know, especially with rapes and stuff like that, and Chad Playfield, like Jared Amber's name's put in there, right? And it's like they associate Jared Amber with defending. You yeah, know, well, I mean, I, I'm not. I like Jared personally. I yeah. mean, I, but you know, go, go watch the freaking Netflix special. He freaking yeah did a miracle for that kid. He yeah. deserved it. You know, it's just, just you know he he represented Denny Perkins. Look, I represented Denny Perkins early on, and some of this it was just a. The uh, the protective order hearing, but yeah. you know, it's, it's not. You know, I mean, you're human beings. I mean, you have a job to do. And it's your profession. You know, I didn't represent him on the charges, right? But, but still, so, but I did it because nobody else would. Right. His mama called 150 people, and I was like, "Just go in there and stipulate." She's like, "No, we want somebody standing there." I said, "Okay, I'll stand there." Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a rough thing to do, especially. Uh, because I mean, you know, you got to put aside personal feelings too, and everything like that. In order, and, you, and at the end of the day, too, in this country, everybody does deserve a right to counsel. Um, you know, and and my feelings do get mixed on it a lot, and everything. But but what's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong, and I have to stand by what I do, what what is right at the same time, and which is everybody should have, you know, counsel, a good, effective counsel as well, and. You know, people get what they pay for on top of that sometimes. So mm-hmm. you, you roll your dice, you know, you roll the dice when you get a public defender or you take your chances with a with an attorney, whatever you can afford. Or hopefully you have enough money to afford a damn good one, you know. Well, my and, deal is if you hate us, fine. But if you hate us, then hate the Second Amendment, too. Because yeah. it's all in the Constitution. Yeah. That's all the 10 Bill of Rights. E- either you like them or you don't like them. Yeah. But you can't choose which ones you like and which ones you don't. Yeah, I know. It's... It is what it is, and, 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 you know, and, and you have, you know, you have to respect it, right? It's don't, don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah. That's how they how they usually say that. But I mean, I don't have like an adverse, like an aversion or a hatred toward criminal defense attorneys. Hell, you never know what might happen in your life and everything like that. You you never know. I mean, situations I've been in my past and everything. You know, with I never had to go. I never got arrested. Never got to go to court. I've done criminal shit as far as drug dealing and stuff like that. But I I was young. I was stupid. I was reckless. 
and I changed my ways as well. And I was glad that I was that somebody was older that pulled me to the side and said, "Hey, you might not want to do this for the rest of your fucking days. You might want to get your head out your ass and mm-hmm. go do something smart with your life. You're a smart kid. Go do something better." Believe me, I've represented plenty. I had a kid. I'm not gonna mention any names. You know, they busted him for some stupid. I think he had one pill. Yeah. And some weed. You know, but they charged him with a felony. That kid's in his fourth year of medical school. Yeah. I mean, he's not a freaking criminal. Hey, sorry about that, y'all. That, uh, that noise in the background is just a, a old dog coughing up. That's all. So just don't worry. It's not not like we're trying to trying to kill something back here. I just want to let y'all know. <laughs> when, they, when they go back and hear it, they're gonna be like, "What the hell?" But um, yeah, man. I mean, I just uh, you know, it, it's it's always something good to learn and, and have, a, have a different perspective on my podcast as well. And I always, you know, when I first heard you, I was like, yeah, I wanted to get you on there. And, and you know, time goes by, we get busy, things of that sort of nature. But I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day, especially on a weekend, and allowing me in your home and, and talking to you and everything like that. And Jace, Jasper, mm-hmm. um, man, you know, laid back kind of guy, I like you, just off the bat, just good old mm-hmm. boy from Louisiana. That's what, what you, the vibes you give me. and. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you letting me in your home, man. Just picking your brain. No problem. Brother, thank you. Whoops. All right, y'all. Well, that's going to be a wrap on this interview. I hope y'all found it informative. I hope y'all kind of got a little bit of an insight of what it was to be an attorney as well and just a little aspect of his life. So I love y'all. Be safe. Protect all children if they're not your own. And remember, the Bowman see and the Bowman never forget.